Hello, and welcome to RBC Disruptors, our regular conversation about innovation and how technology is changing everything around us. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. On this episode, we're talking about esports and competitive gaming, which may be the most disruptive force to hit the world of sports and entertainment since the rise of cable TV. We spoke with Dave Hopkinson, Chief Commercial Officer of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. They're the owners of the Toronto Raptors, Maple Leafs, Toronto FC, and now a new esports franchise, Raptors Uprising. Here's our conversation. Esports. What on earth is it? Competitive gaming uh, online. Competitive gaming's been around an awful long time, just in the in the real world, and now technology's in a place where we're able to compete online in a virtual world. The intensity uh, is there, the audience is there, the passion is there, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna get in in a bigger way. Dave, tell us a bit about your own gaming. What do you play? How well, often do you, you play? Know what? You know, I have I have uh, two kids, so I, I don't spend as much time gaming as I would like to right now. Gosh, I remember I remember playing NBA Live '95. Uh, what's that? 22 years ago. So this has been around a while, and I had a team anchored by uh, Alan Iverson and Arvidas Sabonis. If I go back, and I played a lot with uh, uh, our comms guy, a guy named Dave Haggath. And, and guess what? You know what? We even had a couple of 20s going back and forth. So there might have been some illegal gaming going on at that time. Uh, now, I'm, uh, what's amazing? Uh, the, uh, the the massive multiplayer games. Uh, the um, I, I like. I'm playing a game called Star Wars uh, Battlefront 2 right now. I'm not very good at it because I can't put enough time into it, but when you're playing 20 on 20 in a, com- in a competitive space, it's, it's fun. And I think five on five NBA 2K, I'll be playing that too. So you and I met in a bar last uh, summer. What a terrible way to begin. A- okay, we're we're <laughs> sharing a that. Okay, fine. Yep, so that's, uh, that's out there now. And uh, you started talking about all that MLSE was looking at in, uh, in eSports. Uh, amazing uh, to, to see the organization or hear how the organization was seeing shifts in demographics, uh, seeing shifts in the business model. What was the aha moment for you? There's a really popular game in this space called League of Legends. And we uh, were fortunate enough to host at Air Canada Center the North American Championship back in August of 2016. A couple of things really opened our eyes. Uh, the first thing is when we put that, uh, it's a two-day event. When we put the event on sale, it sold out in, I think it was 34 seconds. You know, so, so near instantaneous. Filled the building, 22,000 uh, seats for each day. And again, under a minute, an A-list act is going to sell out slower than that. So that shocked us and really opened, uh, started to open our eyes. And then when we hosted the actual event, see 22,000 young people uh, screaming, shouting, cheering, dressed up in many cases like the characters from the game, we really started to think, boy, this, this, this is for real. I mean, you know, when you, if you do two minutes of research on esports, you see all the, the audience numbers and all the statistics and all the t- hours spent online, et cetera, et cetera. But then when you go see it with your eyes at an event like that, it's, uh, it, it's startling. And what, what kind of people are there? Young, passionate, committed. Uh, they love the game. They love the gamers. Uh, the gamers are stars. Uh, it was loud in there for two days straight for six, eight hours a day. Amazing. L- louder than a Raptors game? I'm not sure it's quite that loud, but, uh, you know, listen, maybe, yeah. Again, it's tough to sustain any type of volume like that for six to eight hours. But uh, during the high points in the game, during the big moves, uh, during the championship, it was as loud as it is during an NBA or an NHL game. What are these 22,000 people doing? while the uh, competitors are, are playing? Watching, connecting, talking, sharing, just 
as they would do at a Raptors game or at a Maple Leafs game. You know, they're uh, in the halls, they're talking to each other, they're in their seats, they're high-fiving strangers around big moments in the game. You know, I'll tell you what, if you just pointed the camera out at the crowd and you didn't see what was on, you know, what was at center stage, you, you wouldn't know you were at an esports event. It looked like any other big event. So the NBA is having similar thoughts around the same time, looking to create this new league uh, that you're now, you're now part of. Maybe you can tell us a bit about uh, how the league will operate and how ML, MLSE is going. Sure, sure. Going uh, into it. The NBA has announced uh, their partnership uh, with uh, Take Two, the publisher of NBA 2K, and we're going to launch an NBA 2K league, w- which will start play in May. The Raptors are going to be a day one franchisee. We're, uh, we're going to, there's 17 of the 30 NBA teams that have said, yes, we're in for, for day one. We are in for day one, the Raptors, and we're going to start uh, playing. Um, competing and trying to win a, a championship just you know, against our NBA rivals uh, and just while we're going to compete in one arena for the uh, Larry O'Brien Trophy, we're going to vote uh, or play in, an, in this arena, an electronic arena for the NBA uh, 2K Championship. How, how do you build a team? Walk us, walk us through this and how it's different from building the Raptors uh, or TFC from, from scratch. We start using the exact same methodology to, to select a team as we would any one of our pro teams or any one of the development teams. Uh, that we have. We're going to identify talent. We're going to have a pick in the draft. We're going to try and uh, assemble the best team that knows how to work together, not just the best athletes, but the best, uh, what we believe will be the best team and uh, gamers who accept different roles on that team, et cetera. And we're going to go and try and win a championship. Tell us a bit about the business model. How's that? How's he going to make money at this? Well, that's a great question. When we looked at this, the revenues were overwhelmingly predicated on sponsor interest. And initially, we built a, a model that said, okay, well, look, we're going to get into this uh, as, a, as, a, as a pilot and see how we do. And the best way, you know, listen, we really want to learn about this space. And if you believe the best way to learn is to do, well, let's go do. What's amazing is that the sponsor interest, it, quite frankly, it, it's so high we don't know how to ingest it all right now. And we will be profitable day one. Really, what, what what kind of sponsors are coming into this space? The same that would sponsor Raptors and Leafs? Or? Yeah, and that was the surprise for us. We thought right out of the gate that the brands that are brave, you know, Red Bull would be a great example. Sure, is Red Bull going to be there or a, or a Monster Energy? You know, some of those uh, brands that, quite frankly, are edgy and are always pushing into new spaces. What's in, What's interesting, and I really think it's a it's a it's a product of the way that our sponsors feel about the NBA, sponsors feel about MLSE, sponsors feel about the Raptors, is that they want to come right along with us into this uh, into this new space on this adventure. And we're seeing, you know, very conservative, very traditional brands literally lining up saying, how can we get involved? Talk a bit about the uh, the contracts with the, with, with the players. How will that relationship uh, work? Is it the same as you have with uh, with the Raptors and Leafs, or is, is your approach different? Is their approach different? Uh, I don't have the answer yet on on term, on you know, how long these contracts will necessarily be. We're going to uh, make these athletes stars. That's important to us. You know, we're working through details with this uh, with the NBA right now. The NBA, they're going to succeed here, right? The, the NBA is chock full of bright talented people. We're going to work all that through, but I'll tell you, they're working on it every day right now. I, I love how you say that without a scintilla of doubt that the NBA is going to uh, succeed. What, what, what makes them successful? What's, a, what's their approach that, uh, that drives that? They've got phenomenal leadership. Uh, you know, the commissioner is uh, 
hands down the best sports executive I've ever met in my life. Uh, Adam Silver's a star. He surrounds himself by, with stars. Uh, he knows that the, the strength of his team is the strength of his team and how talented they are. Uh, they're rammed full of talented people. They've gone and seconded a guy named Brendan Donahue as the managing director of the new 2K League. I've known Brendan for an awful, awful long time, uh, probably two decades. He's a phenomenally talented guy. This thing's going to work because they're going to put enough talent, commitment, resources, and uh, dedication to the program. You, you t- talk about the gamers, the players as, as athletes. What, what makes them athletes? What's athletic about yeah, it? Yeah, I think that I think it's an outstanding question. The if I go back a few years in my life, and let's say I go back 15 years, you know, the question was at the time was, you know, are race car drivers athletes? I think this was really during the big ascension of NASCAR, and well, are these guys athletes or not? And and now, of course, they're athletes. We all know they're athletes. The the ability to focus, the ability to translate, you know, visual and spatial information in the world into into muscle movements. I mean, these these guys are athletes. Part um, these drivers are athletes. You know, if you look at Danica Patrick and others, it's not even all guys. And as I think through what an sports athletes going to look like they're doing they're going to be the exact same um you're not a big gamer right so you know i, I I've, I've seen some statistics if, if if i hand you a controller and say here go play you might make maybe 12 moves a minute and and, and i'm a gamer i'd probably be at six but yeah, uh, okay, i'm gonna give you i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you 12 because i think you're great um you know i'm a gamer and i'm gonna I'm, I, I play games and i'm gonna make maybe 80 moves a minute you know so i'll dominate you in a competition um these e-gamers are making 300 moves a minute. They're able to do the exact same thing as, as race car drivers do or other athletes do, translate physical uh, or uh, inputs uh, information into mechanical movements, and they are athletes. They're stars. How do they train? They play a lot. Just like any other uh, athlete, they are dedicated to their craft. They practice continually. They play continually. They have a passion that drives them. They want to win. They are um, yeah, very analogous. You know, it's, it's time online as opposed to time in the gym. But uh, after that, it's pretty similar. You talked about developing their personalities. Is that going to be more or less the same as the way you would help pro athletes develop their personalities? Or is this a completely new new game, if you will. I'll tell you, our approach is I think these athletes need to be stars. And we've got a couple of things going for us with this new league. One is you've got the brand of the NBA and and the brand of the Raptors. And we're very fortunate that lots of people really care about uh, our great game, uh, basketball, our great league, and, and, and our team. Um, that's really positive for us. But I also know they care about our athletes. They, you know, they love our, our all-stars, Kyle uh, uh, Lowry, DeMar DeRose, and Sarah Shabaka, the rest of the team. They love those guys. They love those athletes. And I think it's uh, really critical to our success that the market learns to love our esports athletes. I don't know who they are yet. We're going to find out. But it'll be our job to uh, promote them as stars because people connect to people. Will these people be known as people or as avatars? We turn the athlete into the star and the avatar into a, into a star as well. This is a, this is a kind of a brave new world we're getting into. It, it, it's totally. It was definitely brave, and it is a new world. And wondering how an organization like MLSE or uh, or, or the NBA is thinking about brand risks. We know sort of the, the, the gaming culture is pretty edgy, uh, confrontational, uh, certainly verbally violent. Um, and that's the way gamers often want it to be. How, um, 
How are you thinking about those risks and ensuring that you've got edgy personalities, but the ones that don't go too far off societal norms? Well, we can, we, we're going to balance the risks uh, and the opportunities, uh, which is why we're getting in this space. We recognize that, you know, look, in anything we, in, you do in life, there's, there's risks in a way that uh, those risks against the opportunities. Uh, I think there's a huge difference between edginess and offside. So, yeah, we're going to want um, gamers' authentic personalities to, uh, personalities to shine through. We want them to be themselves and to be authentic. But uh, certainly uh, there's going to be a zero-tolerance approach to anything that is discriminatory, uh, hateful, uh, threats of violence. That's, that's a zero. That is a hard no. And that's something that um, there'll be no discussion about, no debate about. And I think that's an, the opportunity that uh, a league uh, with the professional reputation like the NBA, an organization with the professional reputation we have at MLSC, is something that we can do that's good for that community. That community needs um, some strong brands with strong policies and some strong values that anchor those policies to help uh, professionalize this space. Tell us a bit about the personality of the professional gamers and how you're going to go about managing uh, managing them. We're going to have a diverse group of, of, of athletes. And, and I think we te- when we think of an esports gamer, uh, we tend to think of a young man. That's the first image that comes to mind. But we're open to the best athletes uh, with res- without any regard to age, race, gender. We want, we want great, talented people uh, playing for our team, and I really don't care what shape, color, or gender they are. We just want the best athletes. That's going to um, – that, that democratizing force is going to change sports. Uh, there are probably some people who very quickly in their life think, well, I'm not going to make the NBA or the WNBA. And so maybe, maybe, maybe that's not for me. But there's no barrier here or virtually no barrier to becoming an esports athlete. So I think, I think there is a force here that uh, can help us grow the appeal of our game. Um, you know, with respect to how we're going to manage them, just like our other athletes, we need them to be the best person they can be. Um, it's important for us at MLSC to make sure that our athletes are uh, viewed as uh, humans, not just as a piece of machinery or a cog uh, that, that helps a team win. So we need them happy, healthy, on the ice court and pitch, off the ice court and pitch. And we're going to have the exact same philosophy with respect to our esports athletes. We need them to be happy, healthy, um, uh, uh, well-rounded, well-adjusted human beings to be their, the best athletes they can be, and we're going to support them that way. So you, you mentioned the WNBA. Do you think there'll be any women in the, uh, in the uh, end? I, I hope so. First year? I hope so, right out of the gate. That would be my fond hope. Again, with no barrier to entry, I don't see any reason why not, and I think it would be a phenomenal part of the story. What I do know is there are going to be uh, women who make this league, and the question is uh, when. Tell us a bit about the demographics of the fan uh, and the fan base. How different is it from the fan base live and, uh, and, and virtual for the Raptors and Leafs? The, they're young. They're young, and they are used to a IP world, you know, an Internet protocol world. Um, I think that one of the areas that we're seeing disrupted in our traditional sports world is – you know, a few years ago, we were talking about cord cutters. 
And that, that worried us from a broadcast perspective. Uh, no one's talking about cord cutters anymore. They talk about cord nevers. Uh, that, uh, you know, I was out with a bunch of my young staff, t- kids in their 20s, well, young adults in their 20s. Uh, they're kids to me, but young adults in their 20s. And uh, there were 12 of, us, uh, 12 of them at the dinner table with me, and uh, two of them had cable. Right. So they watch all of our games, but they're doing so on some other platform. Uh, for us, uh, for, you know, one of the things that I see is important for us as we think about how to attract and engage that new customer is we've got to go where they are. And we can't be deluded into thinking that uh, this next generation is going to be all about cable television the way that maybe I was and you were growing up. So we need to go fish where the fish are. They're online. This is an opportunity for us to be online with them. How will you market differently to, uh, to connect with them? It's a great question. We need to blend the things that have worked with us so well with uh, the Raptors, a team that, while has not won a championship, is, 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 a, is competing for a championship, a, a team that uh, is well-positioned behind uh, We the North and what's been unifying for this community and, quite frankly, for Canada around uh, that brand identity. Now, what we need to do is interpret that into this new space and make sure that um, we are seen as um, complementing the esports space, uh, professionalizing the esports space, and uh, accelerating this game. You know, we've got the opportunity here to build something, uh, which is, I think, one of the reasons it's so important we're in from day one. We want to influence the shape of this environment, and um, we're going to go do so. I don't think what's worked traditionally in esports will be enough for us in this space, and I know that what we've done traditionally uh, in pro sports won't be enough for us in this space. It needs to be a marriage of the two approaches. This show is called RBC Disruptors because we uh, are fascinated by disruption and try to understand how different sectors and, uh, and frankly, ways of life are being disrupted by technology and new, new, new business models. Love your thoughts on how you see this disrupting traditional sports. So the opportunity here for us is to disrupt ourselves in, in some way. You know, we've got to go – we're not going to stick our heads in the sand and allow esports to grow and grow and grow and not figure out how we can participate in it. Uh, so I'm really excited that we've taken this initiative. And, and, you know, when the NBA was saying, hey, listen, we're thinking about this idea, this going back a couple of years ago, hey, we're thinking about a 2K league or a, a pro esports league, would you be interested? The answer for us, yes, absolutely. You know, how do we get involved here? As I said, I'm a gamer. Uh, our organization was starting to dabble in the space, hosting those events. Um, to, to me, it makes all the sense in the world to go ahead and disrupt ourselves. You know, how big does this get? We're, we're going to find out. Um, what I will tell you is, you know, one of our colleagues in the NBA, Washington, uh, is announced and will be a day one signatory of this as well. Um, the owner of, of the Washington Wizards is a guy named Ted Leonsis, um, owns Momentum, uh, pardon me, Monument Sports in Washington, uh, founded AOL, so his reputation as a tech visionary is indisputable. Uh, Ted's on the record. He says this will dwarf the NBA. This will dwarf the NFL. So there are tech visionaries who think that not only does this disrupt our business, this could uh, eclipse our business. Do you think it will? And if so, how... uh, Can I punt? (laughs) How far do you want to punt that down the road? I mean, I, we, I we, think, we don't know, uh, obviously, but uh, what's your sense of how quickly this could evolve in terms of its impact on, on traditional leagues? You know, my belief is that the NBA uh, is going to continue to grow. Uh, the NBA's 
value in the communities in which we play, the attention that league generates around the world, the attention our star athletes generate around the world, it's getting bigger, not smaller. So uh, the NBA's business model is healthy, is growing, and I think it's going to grow for a very, very long time. The question really then becomes, so you've got the NBA pulling away and esports just kicking off. I don't know if I see necessarily a time uh, in, in, in my lifetime when um, you know, esports will eclipse traditional sports, but I think it can be an outstandingly healthy business right along pro sports. How do you think it might change traditional sports? Are you, are, are you thinking about adjusting the game or are the players thinking or do you anticipate them adjusting their approach to the game or their personalities because of this uh, phenomenon of, uh, of esport? It's interesting. Our athletes uh, for the Raptors, for the Maple Leafs, a lot of them are gamers. You know, they lo- it's, it's amazing to me, but, you know, I can think of several of our, of our hockey players that get off the ice and get on the bus and go back to the hotel and play, you know, the NHL game. Who's the best one? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I know, <laughs> I know Mitch Marner loves the game. Um, these are they're, they're young uh, men, they're young athletes, and they're on the road a lot. They're together a lot, and they they want to compete. They love hockey a lot, so they're around um, uh, the game, and they they love to play the game. Could you ever see a crossover athlete here? Geez, I wonder, but uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. You talked about uh, IP um, in your other for for your other teams. No one owns the IP for basketball or uh, or hockey. Of course, that's different for uh, esports. How do you navigate that? Well, you make sure you've locked up the IP. So uh, with respect to this game, I mean, Take-Two, which is the publisher of NBA 2K, they've got the best basketball game uh, in the world. And uh, there's really no debate about that. This partnership uh, or this uh, league that we're launching with the NBA, the NBA 2K League, is a formal partnership between 2K and the NBA. is a true joint venture. And that's how we've chosen to solve this is let's go grow this with the publisher as opposed to, you know, have some conflict down the road. What, what sorts of things do the publishers want uh, out of this apart from the, the royalties that they're getting? What's their vision? Sales. Right. Uh, you know, you, you get in this business because uh, in the electronics uh, games business, because you want to sell more titles. And that's true of uh, Activision. That's true of EA. That's true of Take-Two. They want to, you know, they want you playing their game at home and they sell the, they sell the games. I think this has an incredible opportunity to drive uh, sales to brand new heights of this title because now you've what, what an amazing new element you've gotten. Uh, NBA teams behind it. You've got a formalized partnership. You've got an opportunity to go pro. I think this takes uh, 2K's business to new heights. Oh, and I hope it does. Presumably, people are thinking about gambling and betting, which seems almost inevitable for uh, for this space. How are you thinking about that? People bet on pro sports right now, and some of them do it legally in, in, in this jurisdiction in Ontario. Uh, it's government regulated, and it's on pro line. I believe that there's also other gambling going on that is not uh, regulated and legal. And I believe that in esports right now, there's uh, uh, gambling going on that is, um, you know, in that gray market or in or, or, or just just plain illegal uh, betting happening. So I don't think um, you know we're thinking an awful lot about that right now, other than the fact that ultimately. Uh, it's going to have to be regulated, and it'll come into the light. and And I see a future where esports is regulated uh, from a gambling perspective. The way I see pro sports being continued, uh, you know, that's a very uh, a space that's evolving very rapidly. 
every jurisdiction in North America is tackling with how do we uh, regulate um, sports betting. And so they've they got to solve that one first and then move to esports. I wonder if I can get you to think uh, out five years and how the business model might uh, might evolve um, and, and, and start with uh, broadcast rights. That's a, obviously a dominant part of the traditional business model. How do you think that's going to evolve with esports? Right now, it's it's a bit of Wild West. There's a lot on, on Twitch, Amazon's uh, platform, and, and, and YouTube. Do you think it will be sort of uh, – there'll be a gravitational pull back to the big uh, – traditional broadcast companies, or could there be a different uh, model emerging? I, I think it'll go both ways. Um, what we're talking about here is really bringing esports into the, you know, the mainstream. And, uh, you know, ESPN's on the record. Uh, we're owned by two big broadcasters, uh, Bell and Rogers here in Canada. Where there's an audience, there's going to be someone that wants to air it. It's really that simple. And I think that uh, the, the, the goal here for us is to drive interest, drive an audience. And then we'll figure out where that audience is going to play. They'll, at least for the foreseeable future, television is going to be here and, and be the, the top medium. Um, will that change over time? Perhaps. Um, to me, you know, platforms are going to continue to evolve. Uh, you know, uh, it was radio turned into uh, broadcast television, turned to cable television. Now we see uh, the rise of uh, you know uh, YouTube, Twitch, etc. We'll figure out how to get how to get the content. If we figure out how to get the content right, we'll figure out which platform it needs to be on. This is an amazing story, Dave. Thanks so much for uh, spending the time with us today, and good luck with all that you're doing. That was my conversation with Dave Hopkinson from Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment which we recorded in December 2017. For more on esports, check out the website for Raptors Uprising. You can reach us at rbcdisruptors at rbc.com and join the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag rbcdisruptors. Our show this week was produced by Peter Henderson and Jennifer Marin. I'm John Stackhouse from RBC. Thanks so much for listening.